Hello, strong, feisty women. Some of you may recognize my voice. I'm Celine Yeager, host of the Hit Play Not Pause podcast. Throughout my career as a professional health and fitness writer and now a podcaster, I hear countless questions from women who are trying to understand how their ever-changing hormones impact their sports performance. So we decided to serve up some answers in a brand new series called Hormonal that we will be releasing on the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast feed. Throughout this four-part series, reproductive endocrinologist Dr. Carla DiGirolamo and I will be tackling topics like periods, the pill, pregnancy, and conditions like PCOS, all from the perspective of sports performance. If you aren't already, follow the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast and stay tuned for our first episode releasing on April 15th. Also, have questions you want answered? Send us a voice note at speakpipe.com slash hormonal and we'll get it answered on the show. You are listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast, a podcast for women who are chasing epic and everyday adventures on their bikes. We are a production of Live Feisty Media and hosted by Christy Moan and Katherine Taylor. Welcome to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast. We are back. I am here. I'm Katherine Taylor. And I'm Christy Moan. And we're back for our third week. We've made it three weeks, Christy. I know. It's crazy. It's been so amazing having this outlet during COVID-19. <laughs> so yes. I'm incredibly grateful for our podcast. <laughs> Me too. It's uh, it's also been really fun just to get to know some of the awesome women in the gravel community. I mean, I know they're all friends of yours, but um, for me, getting to know them uh, really for the first time has been a lot of fun. And people are so generous. Yes, I agree. I mean, it's part of the, it's one of the things I love the most about the community, for sure. I mean, they do have more time on their hands right now. <laughs> <laughs> but we all have a little bit more time on our hands yeah. in a weird way. Like the spacing of it is different. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of having time on your hands, what have, what have you been doing with yourself, Christy? Um, you know, uh, working through stuff, obviously we finished up like, you know, this, the DK virtual camp and, and, um, keeping things rolling and trying to keep people motivated to stay on their bikes, including myself, um, which, you know, what have you been doing to stay motivated on the bike? <laughs> well, I actually decided Wahoo is running uh, 44 days free on their new Sufferfest platform. So yeah. they came out with their own. It's not like Zwift. It's not a gaming platform, but it is, you can go in and you can kind of choose what you want to train for. And I just felt like I needed to put some routine back in my life. Like mm-hmm. um, I've been giving myself a lot of grace and just, you know, like what I feel like doing. And a lot of times it's just easy bike rides, but it's like, you know, even though I don't feel like a routine, I think it's, it's time (laughs) and it's good for me. And so I got on their, um, Sufferfest platform and I've done Sufferfest before, uh, their videos are kind of like funny and snarky and crazy. And the workouts are 
crazy hard. I did an FTP test yesterday and um, I may or may not have taken a mid-morning nap afterwards. So. <laughs> Naps are the best. They're really good for your heart. That's a proven fact. So, and we definitely fun. need to be taking care of our hearts right now. I think, yeah. I think the thing about the routine part for me was that like, I did not allow myself to go into that space of establishing this, you know, a COVID-19 routine because it, to me, it sort of meant that um, we were succumbing to this new, the new way of the new normal, so to speak. And now the last, the last week, um, I've really kind of committed to myself of like getting up and getting in a workout, planning my day, sticking to it, maybe brushing my hair, you know, things like <laughs> maybe, but, but trying to really kind of own the space a little bit more and be like, okay, this is going to be the new normal for a while. And, um, you got to stop feeling sorry for yourself and, you know, put your big girl chamois on and as Ali Tetrix likes to say, and, and roll with these punches. Yep. Yeah. Well, we had a very great and timely interview on that today. So I have been following Celine Yeager for quite a while, and I feel like she has been a voice of reason in the uh, cycling community through this. She approaches it from a journalistic approach. So she's been a journalist for 25 years. Mm -hmm. And you know her from a little bit more of her cycling side of things because she's also yep. a very accomplished cyclist. Very much so. She's uh, pretty much a badass on the bike. So yeah. she's, she knows her stuff and she's definitely been kind of a, a beacon right now. Um, voice of reason, like you said, and, and really um, keeping a level head through this process. And it's, it was so great to talk with her and not only get her perspective on um, COVID-19, but also um, about some of the books that she's written. So it's a great yeah. podcast. Yeah. We talk about her book Gravel. And then we also talk about Roar that she wrote with Dr. Stacy Sims, which is the book for women in nutrition. So I think everybody is going to love this episode and we will go ahead and get to our episode with Celine Yeager. Um, I'm so excited today that we've got uh, one of my uh, favorite humans on the planet, um, Celine Yeager joining us from um, balmy Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes, not today, but sometimes. What is the weather like there today? Well, it's, it's been, actually, it's been a very beautiful spring and I'm very grateful we can get out. Uh, this week, it got crazy. Those storms that ripped up from the south um, mm -hmm. came up to us on Monday because it was beautiful over the weekend. And then Monday, I watched a tree in my backyard, thankfully topple into another tree without taking down all of our wires. So we would have been out with cable and power, which, oh, that would have been great, right? In this added <laughs> yeah. stress. Oh, my heart. Um, but thankfully, the maple caught the pine and all was well, and the tree guy could come and take it down. So it's been, uh, it's been cooler this week, but it's still, you know, bright sunny mornings and even a little snow flurries this morning. But uh, I'm not complaining about any of that right now. Yeah. Are you able to get out and uh, relieve yes. some stress? Yes, we are allowed to go out and ride and uh, run, you know, uh, with the distancing and all that, but we can still get out. And I have a trail system two blocks from my house that I, um, the, <laughs> that everybody in the world has discovered, except everybody just stays on the bottom trails. And I know how to get up to the top trails without really even seeing anybody. So uh, that's, that's been great. And they're super technical. So not a lot of people can really ride them uh, 
anyway. And, and, and now that it's not like more people are riding these super technical trails. So that's been a godsend. And we can also get out on our gravel or road bikes out of town and into quietness very, very easily as well. So that's, that's been great. Awesome. Well, I was really excited to have you on the podcast, Celine, because I've been reading a lot of your stuff. So if people don't know, you write for bicycling mm-hmm. and you've also written some books mm-hmm. and I feel like uh, there's so much information that's coming out um, every day that people are starting to freak out. Like, should I bike outside? Should I not bike outside? Mm-hmm. Can I get COVID from passing somebody on the bike? Like mm-hmm. there's just so much coming out and you've, you've really been a voice of reason in that. And I would love to hear kind of how you're using your journalistic take on all of what's happening in the world right now and just kind of bringing some reason to it. I, I appreciate that question. And it's, I'll, I'll preface with, I understand. It's very scary. It's confusing. It's tricky. And we are inundated. The internet is a giant blessing and a giant curse in the best of times and in the worst of times it's magnified, right? Um, so there's a lot of information and, and what I use my school skills that I've honed for 25 years to do is just cut through the noise, right? And find the sources. You know, like Mr. Rogers always said, find the helpers. <laughs> I try mm-hmm. to find like the best sources I, you know, I can to, to, to bring sense because it's, you know, people... The internet can give you a little information and as everyone knows a little information is dangerous often right like you 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 take this nugget and it's easy to run with it in your imagination especially if you're not getting a whole other other information and the information keeps changing so you know in the case of like you're saying being outside and running outside like we figured out pretty early on just common sense wise at bicycling that you probably shouldn't be drafting people like that if, if, if the idea of having this six feet is because of the droplets and the aerosol, as everybody's heard now, you know, like when you speak, you know, condensation comes out, the droplets come out, you know, and virus carries on that. The, the droplets then evaporate or fall to the ground and it becomes, you know, and now that's all debatable and it's all almost theoretical, like, can you still get sick and when? But the distancing has been working and it's pretty well established, like, but when you're on a bike, of course, you're in some, you know, right behind somebody and those droplets are flying at you. I mean, anyone who's ridden behind somebody knows that. So that's why very early on, we were like, ride alone, no groups, unless you're riding with your partner, right? I mean, then whatever. Um, past that, you know, when, when all this other like computer simulations and computer fluid dynamic things and some of the other stuff that's been sort of been like, oh my God, maybe we should be 65 feet from people. You know, so I call, uh, I call a friend of mine who is a microbiologist in the Department of Health and Human Services, whose job is to do this. I mean, she is working feverishly and she is a avid mountain bike and gravel racer. She, she's, she's awesome. Um, so I, I call her up a lot and I, you know, she's on my, on, I text her, she's on my speed dial and I'll just be like, hey, you know, like, Rebecca, what, what, what do you make of all this? And you know, she, she gives me the lowdown and she is no BS. She's just like, this is what computer simulations do. This is their shortcoming. I have never in all of my profession seen a computer simulation accurately, you know, say what this one is saying. So, you know, she just gives me a very common sense approach. And I think, I think it's just really important that we don't go to the extremes of theoreticals with this. 
it's hard mm -hmm. enough, right? It's hard enough. Like what, what the common sense that we are being given is effective, you know, stay away from people as much as you can, uh, wear a buff or whatever, if you're going to be in close proximity, you know, just use those things and you're going to be okay. You know, that's, that's, that is the message. If you go to the fringes, it worries me a lot because I'm seeing a lot of, I'm seeing a lot of really concerning mental health ramifications yeah. of all of this. Um, a, a old friend of mine took her life early on in this and um, we can't, we, we can't terrorize people any more than they're being terrorized. Like we really can't. I feel very passionately about that. And I feel very passionately about That's... being a voice of reason, not of cavalier. I'm anything but not cavalier. You know, I'm, I, I take this all very seriously and I take every single word that comes out of my fingertips and into the world extraordinarily seriously. I feel the gravity and weight of that. I really do. I feel a tremendous responsibility when I'm writing stuff that doesn't hurt anybody if they if it's wrong right but but like when it's something that is important you better believe i check a lot of sources and i dig and i consider and i i give a very measured response and I, go ahead christy but i mean the mental health no, part I, of this I just, is super just, super important you're so 100 percent right in that in that space of giving people grace to work through this and also encouraging people not to go to those extremes i mean um, I was fortunate enough to be able to lean on you a little bit while we were doing, doing our DK virtual camp. Um, and, you know, just having someone to be able to reach out to that provides that small voice of reason that pulls you back into the, to the, into the safety of reality and community. And, you know, I, I think about those people that don't have that or in that fringe space that are not finding the support and the gravity of that is just, it's super immense. Um, because yes. you think about what this virus, you know, how this virus is separating us mm -hmm. um, physically. So then you have to find this other way um, to navigate that. Um, and I, I think that that's been, you know, I, you're on because you're such a voice of reason and that we know how much you take into consideration when you're putting those words on paper and putting them out there into the world. Um, it's, it's helpful. So helpful. And thank you to your friend, Rebecca, who's also an insight for you, giving, helping you get perspective out there. Like she's got a tough job, I'm sure too, with, with what she's doing with the information <laughs> she's getting. I mean, that's gotta be just whole, a whole other level, you know? She gives me a lot of hope. She actually gives me a lot of hope because uh, I know that behind all of the noise and the, uh, the political havoc that is that's wreaking us all into almost a nervous breakdown that there are really smart teams of people scientists working together to to come up with therapeutics you know to like i mean the biggest thing that she you know she one of the things that she said immediately to me is like the first thing that we're just going to need is therapeutics because there's not going to be a vaccine for another you know until next year that's just the way it is but like if we can figure out some of these antivirals and cocktails and all the stuff that they've done before that makes this um that takes the teeth out of this thing then we can all relax you know much more you know and it's just a progressive relaxation of that and and all of you know, all of that will happen. It's just like, but when people go to the extremes, uh, all of a sudden you, 
the light at the end of the tunnel gets shut down and you can't see your way out of it. You know, and that's, that's, this too will pass. I mean, it really will. I mean, they always do like every war epidemic, you know, it's frustrating because I wish that we would have had leaders who right out of the gate would have just been honest with us. It was not going to be two weeks and it was not going to be a month. You know, I felt like it was like when we were sitting, you know, when you're sitting in the airplane and you're on the tarmac and you're not taking off and you're like, well, that's weird. Why aren't we going anywhere? And then the, the pilot comes on. And it's like, well, you know, we had a couple of paperwork issues. And well, we should have you off the ground in 15, 20 minutes. And then that passes and then he gets on again. And then like, yeah, yeah, we, you know, we're still just uh, shuffling some of that stuff up here and we should have this off, you know, wheels up and at 30 minutes. And I, th I feel like they just do that because that's all they think that you can handle but it only causes more problems, you know, like, yep. so it's better if you just tell people, okay, folks, we're looking at maybe 12 weeks of this stuff. And then everybody can have a fit and figure it out, you know, and then everybody can work with whatever their time frame is, but don't do this two weeks, two weeks. Okay. Another three, you know, like that's, that's worse for people because you're giving people this, this time to hang on to that's not real. Yeah. It seems like just in the last week, I'm in Atlanta and in the last week, it's almost been this realization here of, okay, this actually isn't whatever date our latest date is that we're sheltering. <laughs> like, like it's long, it's much longer term. And I think one of the things you hit on uh, just with going down that rabbit hole that I fear is even when they start to say, okay, it's safe. And, and we know it's not going to be like it was before until we do have a vaccine uh, that people are going to be so mentally scarred from this and getting so suspicious and going down that rabbit hole that you won't even like, you're just not going to go be with your groups or be with the things that help you be mentally healthy in a safe way. But, you know, you walk around the grocery store now and you look at everybody like they're suspicious. Like, are you giving me, <laughs> get out of my way. Why are you standing in the aisle? And, um, you know, I know you've been talking a lot about just the mental health side of things. Um, and I really appreciate that in this conversation. Yeah, I mean, it'll be a slow, I, I remember too that people have short memories. We have had terrible things happen in this country and we all get upset and then we forget pretty quickly. Um, you know, I, I feel like once there's a slow roll and things get a little better, that, that once people get the hang of it again, I, 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 I'm not one that fears that it's gonna be uh, nothing's ever going to be the same. You know, there's a lot of things that shouldn't be the same, frankly, and I hope we do yeah. improve things. You know, I mean, I, if anything, you know, the, I hope we take this as an opportunity to realize that we don't all need to be commuting every single day in a car to all these different places. But we, you know, like, sure, we still need to get to different workplaces and, and, and face-to-faces are super important and this does not replace that. But um, a lot of people are picking up bikes now. I, I've seen so many people on bikes that I can't even imagine. And just, I hope that a lot of these people do hang on to that. I, I really do. I hope that they hang on to that nice Sunday bike ride that they've been taking and yeah. that, that, that corporations go, you know, the air was cleaner and traffic wasn't as great, you know, or, or not as terrible when we were all home. So like, let's, let's, let's do a four day in the, in the office work week. And then one day, whatever it is, you know, yeah. it's a lot of possibilities I, that could actually be better. That's the thing. I just, I hope we take those positives. I, I always too. look at it, like, you know, I'm like, I'm like, I love the meme that said my, my car's getting three weeks to the gallon. 
<laughs> and I'm like, that's awesome. Like how rad would it be to continue that to, yeah. to really use, if we could take this opportunity and flip it, um, to something. I did a that, piece on bike shops and a lot of bike shops are having their best months yes. ever, like ever, ever, yeah. ever in all of time since they've been open for 20 years. So it, there's, there's, there's definitely hope in that. Is everyone going to, everyone going to just like love bicycles for the rest of the time now? I mean, I'm not a Pollyanna, but I, I do think that there's going to be a positive that comes out of that. Yeah. What have you been yeah, saying? To, there has you, to be. What have you been saying to people that are, um, worried about riding outside? So the whole, well, if you get into an accident, mm -hmm. which is, it's kind of like this irony, because I love seeing all the people out <laughs> biking for the first time in the streets that have no idea how to ride a bike. But then like within some of my communities, people are like, you should not be riding a bike at all outside. I'm like, this is the greatest time ever to ride a bike in Atlanta. There's zero traffic. Yep. Never felt safer. Yep. So. Yeah, no, that came up right away at bicycling too. Um, and I wrote a piece on that, like what we're doing now and why. And that was like within a week because one of the editors was like, should we even be riding at all because of that? Um, and you know, we all pretty quickly shut it down, saying mm -hmm. that this is not the time to learn to huck. You know, this is not the time to learn practice your cornering. This is not the time to do any of that kind of stuff. But we, you know, when, when I go on um, business trips with my bike, you know, whether it be a product release for some, some company or whatever, we have what we call the 80% rule. So if I'm on new trails, new equipment, new whatever, I ride within 80% of myself or less, you know, not pushing anything skills or otherwise to hundred. And that's, that's what I tell people just dial it back to your well within your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. You know, yes, sure. The chances of whatever could happen, but those, the again, we're going to theoreticals that I don't think are useful. I mean, yeah, that's how many accidents experience. have you had when you had to go to the hospital? I've had none. And I've raced all around the world for, I don't know how many years. I've had none that have required an actual emergency room visit. I mean, I dis the only time I went in was when I dislocated my shoulder and a friend of mine could have popped it back in. I'm not saying that this is good advice, but I'm just saying like, when I look at the larger picture of that, yeah, I'm not riding insane enduro trails right now, but I, I also am not, you know, again, I, you would never leave your living room and that's, that's not good for you either. Again, it's just not, it, it, it's, it's just not good for you. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I found myself, I'm not riding nearly as hard uh, or training really for anything, but I'm just That's like fine. enjoying riding around the city so much. And mm -hmm. I, a lot of times I'm like, I don't even want to get out on my bike. It seems like so much work, but then like within well, I have to go up a hill for like a mile and a half to get out of my neighborhood so that I'm not happy. But after that, I'm like, oh, <laughs> I feel so much better. Like, right. The pain is clear. I feel like the stress is gone. Yeah. Uh, there's a whole mental it's, to it. Totally. And it's hard. It's hard. I mean, I, um, I just wrote about this too. I didn't expect that this would affect me the way that it did out of the gate. Like I, for that first couple of weeks, for the first time, I just did not feel like riding. Like I, I, I just, and I think it was just the weight of everything sort of holding me down and making it more difficult to be like, 
put on my clothes and put on my shoes and get out the door and do all that stuff by myself. You know, I mean, it was, that felt onerous. Um, but I pushed myself out to do it because I knew that I would feel a million times better, like you're saying, if I did it. Um, some of the things that I did personally to make that easier is I have a list of podcasts and I have like one good earbud that I put in and it Bluetooth to my phone. I'm like, I'm going to listen to some of this stuff while I go right around, you know, the, the pathways. And that, that helped. Uh, I also have developed a network of friends that we text each other and uh, say, have you got out today? You know, or I'm having a hard time. Tell me to get off my ass and get out today. And it, it helps, you know, and I'll get a text back being like, I want photographic evidence that you have gotten out. So it's, I mean, for my entire career, I have written about the importance of having a buddy <laughs> to go out and, you know, accountability and get you out. But now like our buddies are taken away for a lot of us. And that makes it real hard. You know, that makes it real easy to just sit and not get out. So I, I like call, use your buddies in another way. You know, like use that network to encourage each other uh, to get to to be accountable when it's when it's even that much harder to get out or to get on your bike in any capacity. I think that's it's, it's such great advice. I mean, I had, you know, and I think hearing, too, that um, someone like you, like the fit chick had a bad two weeks. Yeah, and people people need to know that that's not just you it's it's normal like i had oh no there was one day i just cried on and off like yeah. just cried on and off and i was just like i must get out of my head i've got to get out of here but it was very difficult well and i had a day yesterday to for whatever reason was just a crap day yeah and you know i went and got on my bike and i thought like 45 minutes an hour in i thought okay i'm gonna come back from this and it's gonna be i'm gonna be fine right i came back and i still wasn't yeah. I just had to yeah. give myself the space to just be like, this yep. is just a freaking shitty day. That's all yep. it is. And they're going to happen. I mean, you'd be yeah. a psychopath if you weren't having those days right now, right? Like that's, that's, that's normal under these circumstances. Yeah. Gosh, I, you know, it sounds like we're talking all this gloom and doom. And I think one of the most um, things that, the, one of the things that I thought was the, the best piece that you've done is your book, Gravel. Um, <laughs> Thanks. You know, I mean, Seriously, like it's such a, I don't know. I'm not, I, I'm not like when I got, when I saw it come out, I was like kind of a skeptic, like what, what's this going to be about? Like, what, what are we going to talk about? And I was like, holy crap, you nailed it with that book for somebody new to gravel, even for more experienced writers, tips and things that you can glean from what you wrote is just, it's such a well done book in the Thank way you. you laid it out. It's, it's great. And so, you know, buy the book if you haven't, and you're thinking about gravel, this is, I've pushed it as much as I can. And if we get to do women's camp in, in September for Dirty Kansas, that book is going in everybody's swag bag, you know, because it's just, it's, you just did a really great job. Talk about great. that process and putting that thing together. Cause that had to come from years of, well, of it's funny. It, it, it didn't, it didn't. It's funny. I mean, I mean, one of the, I mean, I, I, I tell people I'm a writer because it's the only thing that I, that I know how to do. And that's kind of true. Like I'm constantly sort of thinking and writing in my head. So, you know, maybe I'm working on something for years and I don't even know it. The, Gravel was a funny evolution because before that I had written a book called Climb. And everyone's like, you can write a whole book on climbing. And I'm like, yeah, like I like, I, I think that um, 
you know, climbing is one of those high ties that raises all boats. So if you get better at climbing, like it raises so many other things, your mental game and your fitness and your strength. And, you know, it's something that, that riders get a little obsessed about, you know, whether they love to hate it or actually love it. Uh, so I, you know, I, wrote, I, I interviewed physicists who told me like the steepest, it's like, what's the steepest hill that you would not be able to ride up? And I think he said it was 40% that you would actually topple. Yeah, <laughs> you would actually go, start going backwards. Um, but it was a fun project and it did, it did real well. Um, it, you know, sold out of Amazon like three times. So the, the powers that be were like, well, yeah, you want to write another niche book? And I was like, sure. And uh, I thought, travel. And this was before, like gravel hit that weird inflection point, like it had been going up, you know what I'm talking about. But then all of a sudden it went from like this, this little bit of like a easy trajectory to like, you know, it just went crazy. And it was, it was before that happened, which is just great timing on my own part. But um, anyway, the real genesis of it, because yeah, a lot of people are like, you know, roll it, like, it, nothing makes people's eyes roll so hard than gravel specific anything. That's that's starting to get better, but like, you know, I mean, people are like, oh my God, a book on gravel. What are you going to say? Like, you just ride on pebbles. And I was like, that's actually just not the case. And, and, and that is part of why I wrote the book is because I would be at these events and see some people that were really struggling and not, and not having fun. You know, I mean, we, I was at um, a gravel enduro event, Keystone Gravel, here at home, which is a lot like a grinduro. And it takes you on some mountain bike trails. It takes you on some gnarly stuff. And if you don't know that that's what's coming at you, you're way in over your head real, real fast and you're not having fun. And I sat at the, at the bottom and the, you know, this guy at the end of the day, we had a beer in our hand. He's like, that was not fun for me. He's like, was that gravel? You know, you'd not done a gravel thing yeah. before. And I was like, well, that's a great question. You know, it's sort of gravel, but not the one you were looking for. And then I did, you know, the stage race you were at, Rebecca's uh, Queen stage race. And after that day with the 16 miles of single track, no lie, a woman ride, was riding up to me the next stage. And she was like, that was not fun for me. <laughs> you know, she, it took her a long time. So I thought there's something here to talk to people about because it is different. It's, it's different than just riding your bike on some smooth. And I think people just have this idea oh, I'm just going to ride in these quiet gravel roads and it's going to be easy and pretty and great, you know, like, and then they get out there and they're like, what have I done? So, I, you know, I think like you're only unhappy when expectation and reality aren't matching. So my goal was to like help people match their expectation with what they were going to find and how to find the stuff that would, that would be what they wanted, you know, and that, that, so it's just everything from what to expect and like, there's a whole spectrum of gravel bikes out there now. Like you can get a gravel bike that's very much kind of just a road machine, or you can get one that's almost a mountain bike with drop bars. So how yeah. do you know what to pick? You know, how do you know what to do? Like eating is different. People, people don't appreciate that. As a, as a longtime mountain bike stage race, racer, I had a great appreciation how fueling yourself is very, very different when you are off-road than it is when you're on smooth pavement. It is, you need more calories. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. So, you know, all of it is, all of it takes some thought and, uh, my God, there's so many logistics packing your bike and what packs to put on your bike. So I, you know, I just wanted to make a, a primer that would just take somebody through the whole thing. Do you see a gravel two coming out? Not, a, not no. in the near, 
<laughs> no, no. There's going to be a roar or two, but not, yeah, not a. Um, Good. Yeah. Well, so I wanted to ask you more about Roar. I, so I came from triathlon and Roar swept the triathlon world, especially with women. And um, you were the co-author on that book with Dr. Stacy Sims. And mm-hmm. um, so a lot of women have just bought into whatever is out there for nutrition. It just is a one size fits all. And that was very debunked in the process of Roar. So tell me how you and Dr. Sims ended up writing that book and like kind of what message you're trying to get out to women with that. It's a really, it's a fun story because I met Dr. Sims, Stacy, we're friends, um, at a USA Cycling Coaching Conference. And it's funny, I've been going to these things for many, many years and they were always, sorry guys, but it's true. It was always the same stuff. They had like those same sort of rotation of presenters and and it it was getting very very stale after a while but you need continuing education credits if you're a coach I am a coach so I'd go out every two years stay with a friend of mine and this time my friend James Ferreira was like I think you're gonna really like Stacey Sims you know she he knew her and seen her work so I I went to her presentation and it was on um female hydration you know at that point she was really honed in in her research on hydration and she got up there and she talked about the menstrual cycle and the luteal phase and all this kind of stuff like I had never heard any I had never heard somebody talking to a bunch of coaches and talk about periods and talk about like I was like whoa and when she got done there was it was like the messiah had left there was a line out the door to like ask her more questions so I waited in that line and uh, I said, you need a book and I think I can write it and get, get us published. And I, I didn't even know who she was. And she said, sure. And I was like, okay, that was easy. So I flew out. She had me come out when she was uh, beta testing her Osmo line for the first time, which is when she was coming out with that women's specific hydration mix. And, you know, she had discovered that that women's, you know, like during the, your high hormone phase, you know, there's a reason you get puffy. There's a reason that you get bloated. It's because there's a shift in your plasma volume and you can have like 8% lower, which means you don't sweat as well. You don't cool off as well. That's a big deal. And I had noticed that in my own training, like there would be just sometimes I just could not stay on top of my heat stress as well. And like, like, what is going on? And it's like, that's what was going on. You know, so she had developed all these products to help women like, like hyperhydrate, if you will, like really get all you need for those times. And it wouldn't hurt you, you know, if you weren't in that part of your phase. But anyway, I went out to her place in Fairfax, California at the time, and she was really into the pee sticks, the urinalysis strips. So there was a bunch of us, like a bunch of pro women. And she had us do four days of like doing hill repeats up Mount Tam. And then we would get behind like a dumpster and pee on these sticks and like show her. And she'd be like, oh, look, you're peeing out protein and you're blah, blah, blah. This means you're catabolic. And, th- and then she would give us some product and we would do it again. And we did all these motor pacing. And it was really eye-opening because you could actually see right in front of you like what was happening. So wow. uh, yeah, it was cool. It was super cool. And, you know, we put together that book and it's interesting. Like I was so excited about that book. So I'm like, you know, her message is very clear. Women are not small men. Like, because all of the studies that have been done, and it's changing now, but slowly, you know, most of the studies 
have, that have been done have been done on men. That's why they, they didn't know that women's heart attacks look different for so many years, right? Like, um, and in sports, it's usually just young college age men. Like, so, cause, and they sometimes would actively avoid recruiting women because women are messy. They have periods, they might get pregnant. They might, you know, they're like, we don't need that. Like we just need, but so then half the population you're not even looking at. You're just assuming that they might just need to drink less, you know, but, the, but everything else is the same. So, um, you know, her, her, it was a brand new message and it was, she was very good at those kind of, those kind of sound bites. And I was sure that it was going to be like an amazing success, but it, it, it launched and we didn't have the, you know, Rodale was having some, some of its, it was starting to do the Titanic at that time, you know, Rodale Press, which was the publisher was having trouble and we didn't have a great uh, amount of support behind us. And I didn't have the bandwidth to, to push it out. And she didn't have the bandwidth to push it out. So the book originally, honestly, it did really well right out of the gate. And then it just sort of floated into the abyss. And I was like, ugh. Um, and then at some point, an editor cold called me. This was maybe a year or two later. And the book was doing just okay. And he's like, do you want to do a follow-up to Roar? I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, well, I'm looking at the book scans. And it had started to like explode. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. Um, and she had hired this wonderful PR person by herself. She just hired somebody. And this woman has done a phenomenal job. That's why Stacey got the TEDx talk. Like all that stuff has come since somebody just went into the book and started like doing Instagram stories on it and started like pushing it through social media. I mean, it's not magic. It's just something that neither of us had the, could do. And, and it's been selling. I, I just got a very nice royalty check from it today. So it's been selling real well ever since. And we're going to do a, a follow-up. Um, specifically, one of the things, there's a, there's a chapter in there for menopause, but there's been a giant push for more for master's age athletes. And I, I appreciate that because it, Me too. Um, some of the, yeah. I, and it's true, like there's, there's a group on Facebook that started their own sort of roar support page kind of thing. And the women, the menopausal women in the crowd have created their own hashtag, hashtag forgotten athletes. And I was like, okay, we need to fix that. Like we need to, we need to fix that. So we're working on that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to but that. I want to do that. I want to do for menopause what we did for periods. Like you never heard people talking about menstruation like that, right? Like, and now mm -hmm. it's, it's more people are talking about all that stuff. And I like menopause is still this, this kind of word that nobody wants to own, you know, like nobody wants like, oh, that means, that means I'm old or something like that means. So like, we need to, we need to kick all that to the curb. We need to stop that. So that's, that's my goal for the next book. Wow. I'm well, so I glad that's your goal. <laughs> it's you know it's the space that I find myself in and like it's it's you're exactly right like I hate admitting that that's where I'm at like I went through menopause really early um and um there's it's definitely been a struggle and I've noticed it and like just reading what I've read so far I'm like god I hope she does more on menopause in this book I'm not that far mm -hmm. you know because I told you like I told you I just started reading it so I'm yeah. very excited to hear that there's more information coming out on that. I think we have done a great job in the women's space of, mm -hmm. you know, starting clear back with Title IX of creating more women that are athletes now. Um, and now that group is getting yeah. older and, you know, um, not to ignore the younger part, but, um, you know, there's a lot of us out there that, that have a different it's a set profound, of rules. 
Totally. And it's a profound change. And I will be a hundred percent honest. I didn't appreciate it till I got there. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I knew theoretically, but you know, we talk about the, the giant shift that some women experience every month with, with their PMS or whatever. I mean, menopause is a seismic shift in hormones and it does it. Wow. I know it doesn't happen overnight, but it sure feels that way. It sure feels like some of those changes happen very quickly. Um, yep. And you know, I, I mean, if I can, I'm, I'm real good at using my firsthand experience and, and launching off of that. So I, I'm in a, I, I, I would be super remiss if I did not use my position to, um, make this better for a lot of women. Yeah. What I appreciate about Roar and I, I'm hoping Roar too, I'm assuming it will be is it's not, um, a super dense nutrition book. Like it's enough science that you're like, I'm educated, but it's very practical of like, you should be having this much protein after a workout. Um, as a woman, you need to be, you know, having this before a workout. So it's, it's, it's the science is there, but it's not like I have several nutrition books. And I'm like, I haven't gone past chapter two because it's so dense that I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm get my biology book out from high school. Well, that's the thing that I, I try very hard in all of my work to do that. I think that's one of the reasons I've been at bicycling as long as I have, which is since 1997, um, is that my sense was always that most people just want, they want enough of the science to understand and feel smart, but they also then want practical advice in real language, you know, and that's, if I can't tell you a practical thing to do, then I don't understand what I'm talking about. You know, I I live by that. Like if I can't actually just boil it down in a simple way and tell you, then I don't know what I'm talking about, you know, and and I, I use that for everything. Like, everything I write that I, I want to learn something personally from. And I always feel like there needs to be a very concrete takeaway. Well, you definitely make it digestible and usable, the information that you put out there. And that's, that's just key. Those two things right there to making it so that it's, that it's applicable for somebody like me. Like I want to know what to do, but I also don't have the time or bandwidth 100%. to wade through everything to get there. So hundred percent, a hundred percent. I, and I, that's, I, that's, that is the vast majority of people. And if you do have the bandwidth, then you're not, then you're going to go somewhere else anyway. Right. You're going to like, if you want to hire yeah. like your own posse of people and, and whatever, then go forth. But uh, most people just need a little guidance in, in a concrete way. What would you say, so as a coach and as somebody who's studied the nutrition and also you're known for your love of strength training, like, uh, what are some things that you're like, I wish that more female cyclists thought this like more holistically, maybe about their health. And I ask that because I'm around a lot of awesome female cyclists that only love to ride their bikes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's hard. And I think, you know, I'm very frankly, I think that you can get away with that for a while. Um, I certainly did. I, you know, I've always been someone who, and I, and I'm a fan of strength training, but I myself would sometimes sort of dial it back because I, my dad was a bodybuilder. So I put, I put on muscle very easily muscle that I, that was not necessarily productive. Right. So, but now I'm just like, okay, I need to get on top of that because you know, it, no matter who you are, uh, women specifically, 
it does go away and it goes away rather quickly. You know, once you start getting, once your hormones change, it, it, it just does. So, you know, I think that, um, I think women, and I think we're finally there, uh, you know, for a long time, I battled and battled and battled women who didn't want muscles, you know, at all. Like they just, and the, the women's magazines would sell them crap like, oh, you won't get muscles. I'm like, yes, you actually will get muscles. You know, that's the idea. You're, you know, are you going to be built like He-Man, She-Man? You know, no, but you will get muscles. And I, you know, I, I, CrossFit gets a lot of hate, but I give CrossFit a lot of credit because CrossFit made it cool and sexy to have muscles. And I applaud that. Um, I would tell more women that they should... They should embrace. Uh, they should embrace strength training. They should embrace lifting heavy, because women have very strong lower bodies, and it's it feels really great to like lift a, a loaded up deadlift bar off the ground. Like that 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 is empowering, and it uh, it just it makes you more efficient. You know, I did long. I did Ironman. I've done all those those long things, and the things that the things that will do you in are not your endurance and not your fitness. It will be your muscles start not being able to support you. You know, I mean, the more muscles that you have at your beck and call, the longer you can go without fatiguing. You know, I mean, of course, there's a reasonable split there. You're not going to be a body, but like no one's telling you to go into the gym to be a bodybuilder. Telling you just to go in and, and activate all the muscles you can because you, you're going to need them all to help you out. Yeah. That's great. Yes. I um, have found that to be definitely true in my own cycling experiences. Uh, the more I um, am able to lift heavy things, the more I'm like, oh, when you get into those longer miles, it actually doesn't feel so terrible because you can recruit those big muscles. Yep. You just got you have more to help you. It's, it, yeah, it's true. Yeah. Well, Celine, we so appreciate your time today. This was awesome. I could literally ask you questions for the next three hours <laughs> <laughs> and people might actually listen to that podcast but uh, we uh we are going to reserve the right we're going to reserve the right to have you back on for your wisdom oh, for sure. but, no i'm happy to i'm happy to talk uh anytime and i i just hope that um hope everybody just really does you know i wrote that piece on on self-care and i think women really 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 need to take that to heart because I'm even finding in my own home that everyone is home that for whatever reason, I mean, it's still sort of, it's not my job, but it sure feels like everybody thinks that I will take care of most of the cleaning up of stuff and the cooking and all that stuff. And I, you know, I'm just like, "Mm, this should not be default to me. Like we're all here right now. And I think that because I've worked at home, I hope, like working at home is not new for me. I've always worked from home being self-employed. Uh, so I didn't mind sort of doing the stuff while, you know, while Dave was out or my daughter was out and they were out of the house. But now that everybody is here, like it should not all fall onto me. And I think women need to just be like, okay with saying, I am going out for da da da. Somebody else is in charge of X, Y, and Z this evening, you know? And you have to say it because if you just like wait until somebody like maybe notices that your head's going to pop off, they won't, you know, and like, they just won't. <laughs> like, so it, it's, it's okay. It's, you know what I'm talking about? Like they would like not notice that like, no, my no, what you're would just, like, <laughs> like strangle everybody in the house. So 
I, you just have to, and it's it's good if maybe if you wait and or if you do it before you're ready to strangle everybody in the house to say, okay, I need like a little mental health. But it's it's super important. We will get through this. But um, you know, right now, I Hunter Allen has this little saying. He's saying right now, maintaining is training right now, and I think that's a good little catch line. Like, you know, just maintaining where you are is great. You know, and it keeps you just staying above water and we're going to get to the shore. It's, it's just, it is going to be longer and slower than anybody wants. But at some point we are all going to be gathered and talking about what a crazy time this was. That's yep. going to happen. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much. And we really appreciate it. And if people want to find you, they can uh, find you your articles on Bicycling Magazine. And you also host a podcast uh, called The Pace Line. Mm-hmm. Drop a lot of these little bombs um, in every, uh, wisdom bombs in every <laughs> podcast. Uh, I've been listening to that a good bit. So I encourage people to also listen to that. Um, and you are Fit Chick on yep. the socials. Fit chick three. Fit the, chick. The number three. There yeah. were two others. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where they came from. Yeah, yeah, no, that, <laughs> that, that's <laughs> a, you're really the only one. <laughs> most of my work I um, put on my professional Facebook page, which is Fit Chick Celine Yeager. That's where you'll find like all my thoughts and articles and yeah. race stuff and all that. Yeah. That I really encourage people to go check out those articles and we'll link to uh, that page. Uh, just to get a good balanced approach to things as they're going on right now. So thank you so much again. Thank you guys. The Girls Gone Gravel podcast is a production of Live Feisty Media. Subscribe, like, and comment on your listening platform. Our producer is Taylor Mahan Rudolph. You can follow us on all the socials at Girls Gone Gravel or visit our website at girlsgonegravel.com. <laughs>